welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. My sermon text this morning is from Isaiah chapter 2. It's on page 567, 567 in the Pew Bible. Isaiah chapter 2 and verses 1 through 5. When you hear the word Advent, when you hear the word Advent, what do you picture in your mind? What do you picture? What is that image that you see? I bet that most of you don't picture a cold, rainy, miserable December morning where you struggle to get out of your warm bed only to step outside into this service today, into this service. I bet that once you walked into this place, you didn't expect to start our worship together kneeling for a very long time, praying a prayer of sobering prayer of confession. Even the experienced Anglicans among us, and I don't count myself as one of those, with our love of the seasons of the church, I bet that most of us still don't picture Advent like this. Our collective Advent imaginations are seared, stuck right in between Black Friday and Cyber Monday, between the constant stress of buying stuff and worrying how we're going to pay for all of that stuff. But even if you aren't caught up in this depressing rhythm of consumption, you've probably already fast-forwarded in your mind through the season of Advent that we are enacting here this morning, that we're, that we're doing with our bodies here this morning. You've already fast-forwarded through that into the image of Christmas fully. We're, we're ready. We're anticipating. We're looking forward. But you're probably already there in your mind. Today is the perfect day for forming our Advent imagination. Into the cold, rainy, and miserable reality of idolatry and judgment in Jerusalem, our sermon text from Isaiah chapter 2 gives us an image, a glimpse of grace in the midst of a bunch, a bunch of judgment. First on the people of God in Isaiah chapters 1 through 5, and then on the rest of the nations all the way through chapter 39. So why does our text this morning give us an image? Why an image? Because God made us His images In the image of God, he made us and he loves us. And so we are drawn to love and enjoy things that we touch, taste, and see because that's how God made us. That's how he made us. In Isaiah 64, the prophet depicts the creator God, Yahweh, as a potter. And we, along with all of his creation, are the clay. In the beginning, God made earth and water. He mixed them together. He made clay. Then he made us as little images, physical pictures of his rule and reign on the earth. And so we took up water and earth and we mixed them together and we made clay and we called ourselves potters. Like a child imitating their father, We image our creator by being little creators. 
And so it was in the beginning, but then we rebelled against our Father. Aren't images in Scripture a bad thing? You guys know the second commandment? You shall have no other God's before me, the second commandment, the right one that I meant to say, you shall know that God's before me, second commandment, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, a carved image. If sin is loving something more than God, then idolatry is what happens when we apply creativity to this twisted love. Idolatry is the prideful act of adding imagination to our rebellion in order to create something to take God's place in our lives. Or as I say, Isaiah says in Isaiah 2, in Isaiah 2, 7, verse 7, right after our sermon text, their land is filled with silver and gold. He's speaking of Jerusalem, of Mount Zion, and there is no end to their treasures. Verse 8. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. Like their ancestors before them, gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai, waiting in the wilderness, restless, they melted all of their gold and jewelry into a golden calf and worshipped stuff. They worshipped stuff, things, In our restlessness, we bow down to our wealth. We put our hope and salvation in financial provision, in our society, in our, in our kids, in our offspring, in our families, in our friends, in our church building. All of our wealth becomes our refuge and strength. Our savings becomes our security. Our health insurance becomes our only hope for abundant life. And so we melt down all of our wealth into something that we can see and touch and feel, an image. St. Augustine put it like this, idolatry is worshiping anything that ought to be used. Worshiping anything that ought to be used or using anything that is meant to be worshiped. God knows God knows that we love to touch, taste, see, and feel because he made us. He made us that way. Images of God, he made us. And this is his word, and thus his word is not a mere list of doctrines to save us from all of our physical idols. His word in Isaiah 2 is an image. It's a picture. It's something we can hang our hat on. It's something that we can fill out with meaning, with doctrine, but it's an image first. We need words that we can touch, taste, see, and feel. When John Calvin was commenting on this text in Isaiah 2, he said that bare promises are hardly sufficient to support us in the midst of all of our fears, in the midst of all of our consumption of Disney+. Plus. God therefore adds visions to counteract all the other things that we taste and touch and see. Why? So that we might perceive more and more the astonishing goodness of God that not satisfied with giving us his bare word, he places before our eyes a picture of the event. A picture of the event. So when you hear the word advent, 
What image do you picture in your mind? Your bodies are already starting to teach you what I want you to picture in your mind. A place where we enter. We enter with humility. A place of love and warmth in the midst of a cold, wet, and miserable day. We come in with humility. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 1. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw. Yahweh gives Isaiah a word to see. So what is the image? What is the image? I want to answer two questions. What is the image and how is the image restored? And I'm not going to dwell this morning so much on unpacking what all the correspondences of the image are. I want you to get the image in your head, okay? The image first, and then you can fill it in as you read the scriptures. You can fill it in as you walk through this Advent season. So what is the image? The context of Isaiah 1 through 5, the divided people of God are in a downward spiral. Assyria threatens lowly Judah, this low place. Zion was a hill of no extraordinary height. Okay? This is, this is the setting. Mount Zion, Jerusalem is filled with the things of the east, as verse six says of chapter two, with wealth and oppression and idolatry. And out of this mess, verse one, the word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And what is the image? Look with me at verse two. It shall come to pass. In the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And so I want you to close your eyes with me for a moment. Close your eyes with me and picture, picture a a hilly land surrounded by great and high mountains all around, powerful nations. Mountains is pictures of strength and security, of wealth. And this lowly hill is lifted up. It's lifted up as a great high mountain above all of the other mountains, making the mountains around it look like little hills. We're in the foothills. This is like going up above Pilot Mountain shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. There's an image of a river not coming down from the top of the mountain, but a river flowing up. This is a supernatural picture. A river flowing up of all the nations and all the peoples flowing into this great high mountain, this place of security. On top of this mountain sits a house. It's a large, large house, like a kingdom. In this house sits a king on the throne, judging with wisdom and making peace, raised up out of nowhere to be a stronghold for all nations. Okay, you can open your eyes now. So there's the image. There's the image. How is the image restored? How is the image restored? What king... And what kingdom came out of nowhere to confound the principalities on earth and in heaven? Who was exalted on a great high mountain, as the gospel writer Matthew says? He taught on mountains. 
over and over again in Matthew. He comes on the stage, he goes up on a high mountain, and he conquers the evil one. And then he goes up and has a sermon on the mount, right? In the middle of the gospel, he goes up onto the Mount of Transfiguration where the glory of God is shown in Jesus. And our gospel reading this morning, he goes up onto a mountain again. And he talks about his coming, his coming again. If you don't know the answer, the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the one who raises up this king, this kingdom, this mountain place of security from the lowly hills of Jerusalem where all the nations flow up. This river flows up into him. Isaiah chapter four and verse four. This is a companion, a little glimpse in the midst of the judgments of Isaiah one through five. Isaiah four, four, the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. He's refining these people. He's refining them through the hardships, this this miserable, this cold and wet and dry world. He's refining us to bring us in with faith and with repentance for sin and humility. Isaiah 2 and verse 3 from our sermon text. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And so the picture is that the rivers of the nations are flowing into this place. A new people are being created on this great, high, and secure place. And as they get there, they hear from the king. The king teaches them, and what do they do? What do they do? They shall go forth. They they come in, and they go out. We come in. And we go out every Sunday. We come into this place. We process in and we process out into the world to be ambassadors of the king. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. He's just got the the preacher of Hebrews has just got done talking about how how Mount Sinai, how how the law cannot save us. We, we We wanted to get up this mountain, but we couldn't even cross the line. We, we were so sinful that we couldn't even go up the mountain. And in verse 22, he says to you, Christian, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels and festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than Abel. Amen. We've we've come into Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. And so this Isaiah, this Isaiah image, this lifting up of this mountain, this exalted earthly king, it's wedded with this Revelation 21, heavenly Jerusalem image. Do you see this? He's lifting up a kingdom and he's bringing back the kingdom, the heavenly Jerusalem. When he comes again someday, he will restore all things that he's he's already beginning to lift up even now in this place. 
It's into this cold, rainy, and miserable world. Into a world filled with idols and rebels of which all of us are without Christ. We need this Advent image. We need to enter into this house on the top of the mountain every day. Enter on our knees. We flow up into God's house through baptism. Buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. We, the nations, enter into God's house in Christ as streams of living water flowed out of the mountaintop of Eden, as streams that flowed out of the restored mountain of Ezekiel's prophecy, as streams of living water flowed from Mount Calvary in Christ's blood. Now we are to flow out into the world. Flow in, flow up, which doesn't happen naturally. And flow out into the world. O house of Jacob, won't you come this Advent season? Let us walk in the light of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts.